The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. Okay, excited to be here. Tracy Jenkins, your first time with me here on a podcast. Just, it is my first time. I'm nervous <laughs> Nelly over here. Yeah, I see you shaking. And <laughs> now Tracy's a persuader, so he's doing just fine. I, I always, when I talk about Tracy, I, I, I always talk about the guy who, what, three times tried well, to get a job with, two, as, as a two CIT? Times, yeah, and on two the times, yeah. Two times I was time, turned down, third time was the charm. Yeah, and, and I think the feed, again, I wasn't there. I think the feedback was... He just seems so like, is he real? Was that the question that they had with you? Was that the feedback you were getting? Like, I don't know. He's just know. peppy and happy, and but it turns out that's just actually Tracy. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think they hired me when I was supposed to be hired. Yeah, Let's okay. put it that way. All right. Well, divine timing, I guess. I, <laughs> but, it, but it is good. I mean, Tracy's been a very successful operator with us in, uh, in southern Utah right now. He's a... Uh, He's a market leader up in Washington, uh, just had some great success up there, really helping to, to transition that market up in Washington. Um, but, but most importantly, and why he's here, is he's had incredible success as a preceptor. Just, just, and and we, have, we have a group of people that just have an amazing track record as preceptors. And this podcast is all about kind of succession planning and and developing leaders but more specifically how to be an effective preceptor right so we wanted you to come down for this i'm honored i think this is super important <laughs> so i, I want to start uh, several years ago mark parkinson spoke at our annual meeting and do you remember this he said he said it's great you've had a great it was our 20th anniversary and he said you've had a great 20 years but if you don't want to declare bankruptcy in the next 20 years, you need to do these three things. I think one of them was making sure you give your residents a reason to live. One was a commitment to, to quality. But one of them was um, becoming focused on leadership development, on being a leadership development company. In fact, one of the things he says is uh, we don't have a knowledge problem or shortage. We have a leadership problem. I remember him saying that, Clay, and, and and what struck me was he was basically inferring that we know what to do. Yeah. We're just caring more about what what it means for me rather than what it means for all the people around us. Yeah. Because leadership is more about the people that we're growing and not so much about how much we ourselves are growing. And that's what we tried, right? This whole Ubuntu thing that we did in this last uh, annual meeting, this idea that our success should be determined by the success of the people around us. How successful do we make other people? And because we're not doing that well enough, we want to become great leaders, but we're not focused on creating great leaders. And we so what? I mean, here's a tricky question. Maybe we'll maybe we'll disagree on the answer to this. But what do you consider a successful preceptor? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, how successful is your CIT? Do they become a CEO? Yeah. Um, obviously, there's two sides of the coin. Both, right. both people have to take CIT ownership. CIT has to own their program too. Uh, definitely. But we can't say you're a successful preceptor if every single person you've trained has left the organization and is now working for someone else See, doing something else. That's the those of that have read Jocko Willinks and I think Leif Babin is the other author of of Extreme Ownership. He says the question, the only question an owner cares about, an extreme owner cares about, it's not how hard did I work, how hard did I try, how much did I care, right. any of those things, it's was I effective or ineffective? And you know if you are an effective preceptor, if they succeed, if they become a CEO, you can say, hey, but I did all these things great and they made bad decisions. That's true. But you were still ineffective at inspiring them to make those changes. It's a That's high standard. exactly right. And it's a tough question. I had somebody get mad at me once saying when they realized that was the question of an owner because they're like, that is like too high of a standard. So and, and we're going to get into some tips, right, a little bit later on on how to be a successful preceptor. But I want to start with with creating the right environment as a preceptor. And 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 I'm going to I I divide this into just four categories and I want to just just get quick comments on each of these. So as a preceptor, you've got to create an environment of love, respect, trust and sense of purpose. Right? So think so so let's start with love and sort of getting past anonymity. How how do you handle that? As a preceptor, like, what's your? Is it, is it like, you know, come here, CIT. Let me let me give you a hug. What what, what is that? How do how do you give them a sense of love as a preceptor? I think you start with why are you precepting in the first place? Did somebody ask you to do this? Are you you're voluntold? Yeah, voluntold. <laughs> hey, you're you're doing a good job. You hit BHAG last year, so you're we're available. Putting, we're putting an AIT with you or a CIT. No. The reason that you should be precepting is because you care deeply about the people who have given to you mm. this amazing opportunity. And now you get to pass the torch or the baton, whatever the saying be, and you get to invest time in mm. future leaders in our organization, an organization that we all love and care about deeply. And, and I think we're talking about loving the person, but it's that principle of loving the opportunity of creating more for more people. And then as you have that mindset, it's easy to say, you know, to figure out where are they from? What's their family like? Just like you would with any employee that yeah, you care about. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> and you do that with the with the CIT as well. You get to know them and from day one they they understand, hey, Tracy's got my back. If nobody else does, Tracy's got my back and he's gonna push me to be the best I can be. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it's good. And this maybe this rolls into trust quickly, too. Right. As soon as they feel like you, they know you care deeply about their success, you care deeply about them. I mean, that, then, then everything changes. They feel psychologically safe with you. Then tough conversations can right. be had. All of those Walls things can happen. So, so the next one, all right, so that's love. And, and I guess we touched a little bit on trust. We'll probably talk. We'll come but, back but, to but, it. But respect. Asking the CIT lots of questions, listening to them, getting their feedback and perspective. What, what have you experienced in that as a preceptor? So I, I love this one. And I think this is going to be a little bit of a theme on this podcast, okay. but uh, partner from day one. 
the respect that you're giving this person is, look, you may not have all the knowledge to be an excellent administrator yet, mm-hmm. but I know that it's there in you. As opposed to what? Are, are we hiring CITs and for six months they're sort of put in a little incubator and <laughs> you learn now, shut up and learn. <laughs> yep. And then in six months, you can chime in a little bit. And then in a year, you can chime in a little bit more. And you're saying from day one, it's time to become a partner. Day one. They are expected to challenge me day one because I'm going to challenge them on day one. And yeah. that is respect. I mean, my wife challenges me more than anyone else because in the world. Because she respects you. She respects and <laughs> loves me. That's not what she told me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. No, that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, no, I no, I agree. And it is, it, you do, ch- I do think you challenge the people that you respect because you're, you're saying, well, wait a second. I want to know what you think about this. And I also trust how you're going to react to my challenge. I value your opinion. I, I think one of the greatest phrases, and I, I learned this from a teacher trainer several years ago, and he said, he said, don't confuse activity with understanding. Just because you mm-hmm. see your CIT doing something doesn't mean they understand why they're doing it. And I think it's a, asking them questions. So how did this go? What were you thinking about this? And I just think we really need to get into the habit of asking lots of questions as a preceptor and that all right so we've talked about yep. trust a little bit but what what there it's it's different than sometimes people bleed the the words you know love trust and and respect just all into one but trust is different um i do think when when they know you care about them there is a trust that comes with that but there's more than that what 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 yeah what else is there you know um being honest and transparent is it's an action that you have to show and you can't fake it. Yeah. You just can't fake it. And I think some preceptors come into this going, well, I want them to see that I'm a good administrator and they're going to respect me because I've got that, you know, uh, reputation or whatever it might be. I don't think anything creates more respect. And like we're saying, trust than at the very beginning, as you're going through these things, you're learning about them. You're talking about things, vulnerable things in yourself. I'm you really bad at this. We're I really messed here. up over there. Yep. I'm not good at, I, I need help with this. Can yeah. you help me? I'm, I'm expecting and hoping that you'll help me with this. And, yeah. and they're just saying, holy cow, I can, I can definitely admit my mistakes. I can fail with Tracy because he's failing with me. Yeah. And, and that trust and is safe built. to share it's it. It's safe. It's safe. I, I, there's another side of trust too. And I, if you've ever read Stephen M. R. Covey's book, The Speed of Trust, he, he talks about the power of extending trust. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something preceptors need to become really good at in, in saying, I want you to take on this project. I want you to handle, even if the CIT feels like, well, wait a second, I'm not ready for that. Mm-hmm. You've got you've to let them know. I mean, I, I feel like Christopher did that for me, my first annual meeting. I mean, I, I just rejoined the organization. He said, we're making some changes. Uh, you know, I, let's have Clay hand. And I thought, well, I haven't been to an annual meeting in, you know, 11 years. And are you sure? But that extension of trust, it made me want to step into that role. And that's what we need to give to those CITs. Because, Clay, at the end of the day, when they're done with their um, CIT training yeah, and they step into a building, whether they like it or not, they're going to be given way more trust yeah. than they can even imagine. <laughs> yeah. Cluster partners are just going to expect it's time to that they start them. to perform, right? But yeah. they can do that 
every single day of their CIT. Yeah. If we create that trust. But but you can tell where we fail so much because so many get so overwhelmed on that day one of actually having their own operation. We can really minimize that pain with that extension Definitely. of trust. Okay, then the last one, sense of purpose. And how, how do you do that as a preceptor? What is your role as a preceptor on establishing sense of purpose? You know, we hear a lot in the organization that your CIT experience is yours. Yeah. You the, own they, it. The CIT owns the it. The CIT yeah. owns it. And and well, that's, that's true. certainly true. Yeah. It is certainly true. But I think that, um, and we're going to talk about some of these principles, but kind of getting a little bit more in depth with what does that mean? What does it mean for you to own your CIT process? And what am I going to do as your preceptor to help you do that? Because yeah. right now you don't know what you don't know. So the sense of purpose is you know, really laying some guidelines, some expectations. What does the first week look like? What is the first month, the first few months? Mm. Not in a comprehensive manner, but kind of an overview. So you really see it as like clarifying expectations and making sure that, that they know, hey, this is this is what's going to be happening. Because I, I see this largely as a part of, of I wish my preceptor, look, I'll tell you, I hated my job as a as a administrator probably for the first year. <laughs> and I, I didn't have a sense of purpose. Yeah. It was, it was I heard, a great way to make an income and a potentially great career with a great organization. And that wasn't getting me through my first year. The dark days. It wasn't until my dad talked to me about, Clay, your, your customer you're their world. Mm-hmm. They, they, whatever they lived, wherever they used to That's travel, good. whatever they used to do, now all they have are relationships, and that is the world you own. And I feel like as preceptors, sometimes we've outsourced this to annual meetings or boot camps, or I think we as preceptors need to help give a sense of vision to our CITs as to why we're here, why this organization is different, and and the things that that we can be doing to get them excited. I, I. Uh, don't don't shirk that responsibility as a preceptor. I I you know that I I also think there's a there's different stages of precepting, and I, I feel mm-hmm. like a problem with some of our weaker preceptors is they get the CIT in, they send them out to places and say, okay, go work in department. You own your program, so mm-hmm. go work yeah, in these the departments, owner. right? We we love, and it's true, they do own their program. But we can sure make it better if we're more effective as preceptors. So so here's what I. Don't just throw them in places and say, go learn this. Start, stage number one is teaching and orienting. Spend some time. Hey, this is how this department works and this is what's going. Then after you've taught and oriented them, then put them in situations and coach them. Okay, now that I've talked to you about the dietary department, I want you to go there and I want to coach you a little bit. I want you to deal with these with some of our staffing issues and I'm going to coach you. Then they become a little bit more distance. Notice how I'm slowly weaning them, mm-hmm. right? They become a little bit more distance. I've gone from a teacher and an orienter to a coach, and now I'm a mentor, right? A mentor is somebody, now they just come to you every once in a while, and you're saying, okay, this is this is what you can do. You've seen this, right, where yes. people just throw them into departments? Yeah, so um, I, I use the term intern, Okay. Like they just, you know, as a, as a bad term, as a bad term, <laughs> don't, let's don't be clear here, everyone yeah. that's listening. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a preceptor has someone come and they treat them as if they just graduated from from college and uh, they've got free labor. 
Yeah. And uh, you've got your booklet. We've Let got me know a hole here. We've got a hole here, so go no. plug that hole. What I what I found, Clay, was the first few months of precepting is pretty exhausting, actually. If you're doing I'm sure it right, it is. <laughs> I, it's it's a lot because you're but still. That's why there's incentives around it, and it's, sure. this is a chance to be an owner. I mean, this it should be exhausting. It is. It is because you're doing so much of that teaching and orienting. Yeah. As you should be. They're with you on everything. And if they're a good CIT, they're asking questions about everything. And you want them to. And so if they're not answering, answering questions, you're giving them feedback. Hey, you hey, should be asking ask more, more questions. questions. <laughs> exactly. So the first few months, you, I mean, I remember going home and just being like, I don't want to talk to anybody. But but then <laughs> there comes a flywheel. There, You know, the flywheel starts to turn. Yeah. And if you're really partners with each other, yes, they're asking tons of questions, but they're learning. Yeah. And they're growing and and that flywheel starts to spin. And there does come the point where now you're just coaching. They're doing a ton of they're out on the field. They're making plays and you're just helping to critique and, and, and work with them as they are with me, too. Yeah. Um, and, and then there comes a point, Clay, where you, you really are the mentor, but you've got you've got two capable administrators. Yeah. In this facility, in this cluster, because you've helped create one and you've helped mm -hmm. develop one, yeah. And that that really is on you. I, I, you know, I when you send them out to the departments as a mentor, now you're asking questions and you're asking, what would you propose? What have you seen? Yeah, tell me what I should do. Yeah, and and it's real. And then and then make those changes or debate those changes. Mm -hmm. Now now they're feeling more like a partner. You you become sort of their personal trainer. I think. I also feel like, tell me if this is true or not, I feel like this is a really good chance to train and develop department heads in in your uh, operation, right? When when you have a CIT, I would I, I like the idea of developing a schedule and then working with your department heads right. on how to train the CIT. Right. So so if you're going, maybe you're working with the dietary supervisor. Right. And you're saying, look, this CIT needs to go out. They first they need to learn the regulations of your department. Please help them learn those regulations. Don't just do stuff. Don't confuse activity with understanding. Help them know why they're doing the things that they're doing. I remember as a CIT. I'm like, I was so excited to make it like a home like environment that I was, let's do this. I mean, you can't do that. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. And this is why. And there's this regulation. Well, why can't we da da da? Well, the flowers aren't edible. And, you know, all these different things that I wanted to do. Then, so, so number one, have them learn the regulations around the department. Number two, then job shadow and participate with line staff. So, so they're first of all learning regulations. Now they're going out and seeing the regulations in action. They're feeling it. Yeah. Then they start working with the department manager. Right. So they're working with the dietary aides and the cooks and 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 now they're starting to work with the manager. OK, how are you handling this labor? And then they start to participating in department activities. Right. So you can see there's sort of a progression that needs to happen. And you're training your department leaders, your department heads to develop the CIT. And and you're asking them to put the lens on that. This is now your administrator. Yeah. This CIT, so you say so you say that to the I, department I say that head. to my department heads. This yeah. a, this CIT, sorry, I, I keep saying AIT, yeah. but we yeah, want them to be a factor. CEO, yeah. um, a CIT. This CIT is your um, your administrator while they're in your department. 
they know that that's not me saying, hey, they're taking my job, you need to be worried. But what they're, what I want them to think is, what is the CIT doing that would bother me yeah. if they were my administrator? What are they doing that is better than what Tracy's doing, uh-huh. right? Um, so you're telling them, give this CIT feedback. Give them train feedback. Train them, develop them, mold them. This is on you to make them into the greatest CEO ever. Yes. This is not someone that's a fly on the wall in your dietary, in the kitchen, and in the in the dining room for, for a week so they can check off the box. Yeah. That's not what it is. And then I feel like it's really important for you as the preceptor to meet with the department heads mm-hmm. and get feedback and learn, you know, what have you discovered? And uh, I, I just I feel like this is something that that it elevates the department head too. Oh, completely elevates right? them because you're giving them that feedback as they should. But you're the expert here. Yeah, I'm not the expert. You're the expert that's going to teach this person how to be the best they can be with housekeeping. Yeah. What about what about larger things, things that are are outside of departments, things like risk management and survey management and, you know, things that we try and kind of cover in boot camps. Uh, I don't know. Like, is there anything you do in that as a as a preceptor? So partner from day one, once again, you're including them on everything that comes up. So if I have a hotline call, my CIT's involved, okay. risk management. If we have a workers' comp issue, they are involved and they're on the phone with me talking to my workers' comp resource to figure out what the heck we're going to do about yeah. it. Uh, so I would say as the situations arise, mm-hmm. um, that they're involved in everything. Uh, but then in some cases, you know, a situation doesn't arise and you've got to be willing to say, you know what, you haven't spent Let's any time. Let's talk about yeah. workers' comp or whatever. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Let's make sure you, you've got an, an idea of what we're talking about. And yes, we will continue to try and cover those in, in boot camps and other things, but I, I we can't shirk that responsibility. I, I've had, a, I've had uh, market leaders, I've had preceptors come and tell me, you know, Clay, we, we're not training our CITs well enough in this area or that area. And, they, and they're saying that to me, and I'm like, fix the boot camp, You're, right? Yeah, fix the boot camp. And I, let, let me say something to that. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I <laughs> love boot camp. Okay. I love it. I loved it when I went through it. But we have shifted a little bit as an organization to where we think, well, Clay and the team yeah. are going to give them the culture of Enzyme and, and they're going to give them these specifics at boot camp. No, boot camp happens to be a wonderful thing that we do. It's fun. It's, it's very much beneficial. But that's icing on the cake. Right. The cake is what happens every day in that organization with the preceptor, with the, with the CIT, with the team. They're seeing it, they're breathing it, they're doing it. If, if your CITs are not learning how to manage labor, look at the preceptor and look at the cluster. Yeah. Because they're not managing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, you know, I, the other thing I'd say on this, and this is a tough thing, this is a tough thing for everyone, not just preceptors. And, and by the way, we've recorded a podcast that's not out yet. Obviously, it should be out by the time you're listening to this. But it's, it's a podcast that we recorded on Monday on, on how to give tough feedback to each other. Not, not just that we should, which we talk about in a lot of podcasts, but what are the techniques we should use and, and the attitude we should have. And as a preceptor, we've got to be good at giving behavioral feedback not not just results based feedback which i think results based feedback is easier to give your numbers are too low you mm-hmm. need to fix that behavioral feedback is hey, i don't think you handled yourself so well in that meeting 
and I and I think you kind of need to look internally at this and we need to do it with love and a desire to make them great, but we've got to be willing to give them this feedback. And sometimes I think we shy away from it because, I don't know, we don't want to hurt their feelings, whatever it may be. Uh, you, you've you got to be good as a, as a preceptor at giving this behavioral feedback. All the time. All the time. I mean, yeah. that that's the, the key there is that it's hard to tell someone that they sounded like they were mad. And that's how people felt when they were yeah. talking. But they need to hear it. Yeah. They're just like, we need to hear it. But see, we're afraid to give it because it's subjective. We might be wrong. It's just my you know, opinion. All these things. I it's don't It's just wanna... my opinion. Yeah. But, you know, and again, in the podcast, we tell you, I mean, look for examples and be as specific as you can and all of those things. But I, but we can't, as leaders, we can't shut because behaviors will always precede results. And if I care about them, Clay. Yeah. That's what we were, that's why we started the podcast with this. Yeah. If I really care about this person, yes, I want them to take it in the right way. But what I need to care about more is, am I doing this for me? Yeah. Or am I giving them feedback so that they can be better? Yeah. And if that's the case, then we can get through anything. They're going to feel that. So, so before we jump into these, uh, uh, we're going to get into this list of the best practices mm. of preceptors. Um, I'll say there's a couple other things that I think you should consider. The, the predictive index, if you don't know what that is, we, we use predictive index and you and your, your CIT should, should have done a behavioral assessment. Using that guide, you can do behavior, or, or what's it called? It's re relationship analysis, yep. relationship right? Analysis. And it says... This person might receive things this way and you're likely to be this way. I think these are really good tools to use, right? I'd also highly recommend developing like a regular weekly session with your CIT. Like it's just a specific sit down time where you can say, okay, what questions do you have? What concerns do you have? Are you overwhelmed? How is it going? I have Amanda, um, you know, she reaches out to the CITs on a regular basis and gets this feedback for market leaders and others. But we need to do this as preceptors. Hey, talk to me about your experience. I think especially at the beginning. Not to say that you don't yeah. do it at the end, but in the beginning, they you're setting expectations, you're you're getting everything going. But for the first month or two, meeting with them every week to discuss how are things going, how yeah. are you feeling? Here's some feedback, right? What are goals you have? Yeah. What do you want yeah. to accomplish this week? Yeah. Other Make things time like that. that's specific for that. Okay, so for the the last part of this podcast, I I, I want to we put together a um, it's called blackjack because there's 21 of them, uh, but but I, I think I set out for 10 and then I just <laughs> kept getting more and more and I tried to consolidate them. And what I did a couple of years ago is I reached out to people like you have who have statistically been uh, very successful preceptors who have precepted people who have become CEOs on a consistent basis. And I said, what is it that you're doing? So these aren't my ideas. These are these are statistically proven ideas from preceptors that say, I always make sure I do this. This is an important thing. And it's in the portal under uh, resources, leadership resources, preceptors. And then I think it's called Blackjack, for, or maybe it's best practices for preceptors. But please look it up because we're not going to have time to cover all of them. We just want to hit on a few. So I want to I want to bundle the uh, three of them to start. Numbers three, four, and five. So number three, and, and have Tracy talk to us. Number three, give the CITs chan a chance to handle weekly one-on-ones with department heads. Number four, 
teach the CIT power of flexing, you know, in, in, in not, not actual flexing, you know, <laughs> like not in front flexing of a mirror and stuff. Connor, we know, does that all the time. And then number five, including the CIT in decision making so they can see how to work through things. So I, I've, I've put all, I mean, I know they're different things, but I've sort of put all those into the package. What, what, what do you have to say on those, Tracy? So have them handle weekly one-on-ones. You mentioned before the idea of learning first and then practicing. Um, and I think that one thing that I did with my teams when we were having a, a CIT come to join us is I would say, I'm going to have this person involved in everything that I'm doing. So just know we're going to continue to have our weekly one-on-ones, or in mm-hmm. some cases it was monthly one-on-ones or whatever it might be. So you're setting their expectations. I'm setting the expectation with yeah. my team so they're not caught off guard yeah, when this there's this stranger yeah. in the office with us, but I'm letting them know. They need, if they're going to be successful, they need to see what a one-on-one looks like. They may not do it the way that I do it, and that's totally fine, the way we do it, but they still need to see. You can't expect them to hold an effective one-on-one if they've never seen one. So I would say include them on all of those. They're starting to see difficult conversations. We talk about the power of flexing. They're starting to see you go over budget. Or better yet, department heads bringing their budget and owning their own labor and spend downs and those types yeah. of things. Which, by the way, means you need to be doing these things as a preceptor. You have to be right? doing them. And I'll refer to my podcast with Carissa on, on doing effective one-on-ones. I mean, we have all the tools out there on how to do it, but they need to observe you doing it. Yes. Yes. You can lead a horse to water. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. But you can't make them drink. And then number five, include the CIT on the decision making. And I'm going to be repetitive on this, but it's all in the way that you view the CIT. Mm-hmm. Do you view them as a partner? Mm-hmm. If I see you as a partner, Clay, you're going to be involved in all the decisions that I'm making. So an example of that would be what, like, as opposed to just saying, hey, this is what I did and this is what I'm doing. You're saying, hey, we're facing this question. What do you think we should do? I'm not asking you to guess what I'm thinking. I want to know your opinion. I was on a call this morning. You Mm -hmm. were on it too, actually, Uh where we were talking about recruiting and retention. Yeah. Huge need Uh in our organization. And the idea was brought up that um, several facilities are having a lot of success hiring a specific recruiter. Mm-hmm. And they may not just be recruiting, they're doing lots of things. I'm not going to get off in the, on, in the weeds <laughs> on that. But the idea would be, okay, I'm not doing that at my facility. Me and my CIT just listen to this. Maybe it's a cluster partner, someone yeah. else. And we get off the call and I'm going, hey, Zach. What do you think? What do you think about this? Yeah. I mean, we, we need to improve on retention. Is this an investment that we could make? How, how would we make it work, right? Help me walk through this. I want to hear your thoughts. Zach gives his opinion. You debate him a little bit. You treat him like a partner. You get him involved in decisions. And if we, and if we do it, he owns it with me. Yeah. This yeah. is and ours. We're going to own the results. Yeah. Well, it didn't well, work. Well, Tracy screwed it up. Yeah. No. Nope. Yeah. Okay. So you're allowing him to feel the pressure of ownership in that. I like that. Okay. I'm going to jump to number eight on this list. Help your CIT understand what it means to operate in the cluster model. And we we have a lot more written beneath that, but I'll I'll start Mm -hmm. with that. What do you have to say on that? So are they an intern or are they a partner? The intern sitting in the corner listening to the cluster call and the the preceptors at the desk, you know, engaged, hopefully engaged in the cluster call. The partner is side by side on the cluster call, in the cluster meeting, giving feedback, asking questions, 
they are a part of the success of everyone. Um, the CITs tell me, well, but I don't know anything yet, and so I feel stupid chiming in. What do I do as a preceptor? To, what do I say as a preceptor to that CIT that feels like they ask too many questions because they feel so stupid, doesn't feel like they've earned their right to voice their opinion in a meeting or, or in a cluster? What do you say as the preceptor? What are you going to do when you don't know the answer yeah. and you're the administrator in your facility? What are you going to do? Yeah. Are you going to say, well, I, I should know this. I asked too many questions. Um, no, you're going to have to figure it out. Yeah. And as a CIT, if you don't know the answer, if you don't know what to do, you have to figure it out. And there's no way to figure it out without speaking up and participating. Yeah. You know, it's funny. CITs in boot camp will ask, they, they'll tell me all the time, Clay, I feel like I'm annoying the heck out of my preceptor or my cluster partners with all of my questions. What what do I do? And, I, and my answer is, you probably are. <laughs> uh, That's true. And, and sometimes you, you have to you have to care so much about succeeding that you're willing to annoy them. That's right. You you can't say well then I, because you're gonna. This is a real job. You are taking care of real lives. It, it, I tell people all the time that are interviewing for CIT, this is a grown-up job. <laughs> it sure is. Right? It is very <laughs> real. And when when the rubber hits the road, are you going to be ready? That preparation comes through those questions. And again, as a preceptor, from the preceptor's perspective, are they being treated as partners? Are they operating in that cluster model? Or I like how you put that. Or are they an intern? Mm -hmm. Because they're going to have that come up. Time and time and time again, somebody gives their notice, you're not prepared for it. You know, yeah. we're not getting admissions from the hospital, what do I do, right? We, there's thousands of problems that we have to solve yeah. as administrators with our teams. That's what they're doing as a CIT. They're yeah. solving the problem of feeling like they're a nuisance. Yeah. Well, you gotta learn, you gotta be a partner, I want you to be a nuisance. The preceptor has to be open to that. If, if the CIT is feeling like they're being annoying because the preceptor is truly always annoyed, yeah, then it's the preceptor's fault. They got to do something different. Yeah. Okay. Let's combine the next two. Uh, let's go yep. to 10 and 11. So 10 says, you know, again, this list from successful preceptors, break down the profit and loss statement line by line with your CIT, like make sure and go through that. Which again, as a former accountant, that's that's what I love going through and how I learned so much about it. And then eleven, have your CIT start managing a key factor. So let's combine those two, you know, financial ones together. So I just want to say they are managing a day a key factor day one. Yeah. Uh, you might think, wow, that's too much. Don't give meat before you give milk. No, they're not going to know how to manage the key factor on day one, but they have one on day one. Yeah. And you're spending that initial investment going through line by line every piece of that key factor so that they know it. Day two, it's going to be a little bit more understandable, right? Three weeks in, they're running that on their own. They know mm -hmm. how to get into financial reports and find where the, um, the invoices are, and they know how to see what the trends are. They may not know what those trends mean yet, but they know how to find yeah. them. I, Clay, I mean, I, I see tons of CITs that have been in their program for two months, don't no have a key, what factor. A key factor. Is yeah, don't have a key factor, um, and sometimes they that. someone else handles it. Sometimes they don't even have access. Mm. You know, they we still need support to give them yeah. access to look at yeah. the labor detail summary. Yeah, um, so it's it's the idea that Enzyme was built on rigor, 
on ownership. We can talk all about Caplico, but it's not because we just love numbers. I'm not an accountant, but it's because we love our business so much. We love our people so much that we're going to do it right. We're going to be rigorous. And the CIT needs to see you doing that. They need to be side by side with you yeah. as you do that. Yeah. And I do feel like a lot of our affiliated operations have, have lost that rigor a little bit. We as preceptors, meet, I mean, we had a call this morning with all the market leaders and CMLs and, and Barry said there's, there's been a little bit of a loss of that rigor in managing labor and other things like that. And and we need to bring it back, and and that starts with you as a preceptor as you multiply yourself with these CITs. What what well, about yeah? Go one ahead. more thing yeah. on that. Sorry yeah. to cut you off. If you look at our most successful organizations culturally mm -hmm. and clinically, I mean, I'm I'm I don't have a graph in front of me, right? But with from my experience, they're excellent at managing labor. Yeah. Right. So if the CIT doesn't see that. Yeah. then they're going to think, oh, man, it's one or the other. Good culture right. is giving them what they want right. and, you know, really giving them cushion. We don't want them to work too hard. If they see that, then they're not going to be good at it when they go into their facility. On on the, uh, the flip side, if they're seeing rigor in each of these things and happy employees, people who know what's expected of yeah. them, good outcomes, good results, then they're going to follow that pattern. Yeah. And, and please remember, rigor is a part of Caplico. Rigor is, is sure accountability. Is. It is ownership. It, we, we, and we mentioned this in the last podcast. We, we mistake Caplico for, uh, you know, the, the soft, frothy, fluffy stuff. And, and it is not. It, we've, we've got to make sure we, we stick to that. Teachers, uh, CIT, how, when, and why to do effective rounds. This is number 13. Anything to say on that one? They need to see you care about your people. Um, effective rounds. Uh, we mentioned management by walking around. Which My dad is, used to always talk about that. And I love that principle. Yep. Yeah. Management by walking around. You're out and about. You're with the people. You're, yeah. you're one of the people. And um, the CIT's just got to see that. It can't be faked. They've got to see you care deeply about your people. Is it, could, I, could I say very blanket statement? If you're a leader who spends a significant amount of time in your office, you are not an effective leader. Completely. Is that is that safe and fair to say? I mean, how I, do you just, how do you lead? I don't know a team that you don't know and that you don't spend time with. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it would be crazy. So uh, I think about the Chase Gunderson quick connect concept. I don't know that he coined that, but yeah, no, he just didn't. the idea. Gallup organization. <laughs> okay, but, Gallup. Give, yeah. but the idea that um, that you're making quick connects all the time and that your CIT is seeing you do that. And then once again, they're learning and then they're practicing. Yeah. So you're asking them, how are your quick connects? How are yeah. things going? Who did you learn about today? Yeah, you tell know, me something, teach me something. Okay, this one I like. Number 15, follow up with the CIT after they get a building. Do you do that? Yeah, so I could be better, but okay. yes, um, especially for the first couple of months, right? You are checking in on them. You're their biggest, once again, you're their biggest cheerleader for their success. Whether they stay in the market, they go to a different market. Um, you're checking in. You're seeing how they're doing. Do they have questions? They're reaching out. Yes, they're they're going to be reaching out to their their cluster partners and their their market partners. But they know that they've got a lifeline always in you. And I would just say, I don't know that this goes along with this, but Clay, you know the the CITs that I've had um, are some of my best friends. Yeah. To this day, I mean, they're people that I just deeply respect. And I challenge that them. culture of love, yeah. respect, trust. Right. Yeah. I still feel. Beginning. 
that it's easier to challenge them than some of any of my partners yeah. um, because I just know them so well. So keeping that connection after they leave the nest, if you will, yeah. is important. Yeah. So here, here's an interesting one. Compete with your CIT. This was from one person, but compete with your CIT to help push them off the calf path. And you, you like this one. I it was do. an interesting one when I first heard this as a preceptor. Why do you like it? So, um, I mean, so many reasons. We talk about the calf path. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have weakness and we all have things that we're not doing right. And if we're allowing the CIT to compete with us, then we're opening the door for them to, to make us better. Yeah. And, and then they're in turn opening the door for us to make them better. So yeah, you're competing with them. You're comparing your key factors. Mm-hmm. And when they get it right, you're admitting it. You're like, like holy closest crap. to the target contest. <laughs> you and, were better at projecting yeah. than I was this month. Nice job. What did you do? They gain <laughs> confidence. They, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and they develop that skill that when they're a new administrator, they're not the one on the cluster call that's silent because they don't think they know anything. Yeah. They've already been competing with their preceptor yeah, for, for months one. and months. That makes sense. Okay, so I'm, I'll do the last one. This is number 21. Give the CIT some sort of D-Day experience. I know, I know some of our organizations are really good at this. Some of them don't do it at all. What, what do you have to say about the, this whole idea of, and some people don't like the, the term D-Day because of, you know, they say, well, wait a second, that's, <laughs> that's more of a sacred event. <laughs> but, but, but an experience where they get a chance to run the show before they're actually running the show. Yeah, so I'll, I'll outline kind of what it is, and then I want to give an experience okay. that I had okay. uh, with, a, with a D-Day. Excuse me. Um, so the D-Day experience is them going to a different operation. Right. The administrator leaves, mm-hmm. and they, they have the reins. Yeah. They're in charge of everything. And, you know, the DON partner knows this. They're treating them as their, their true partner for that week or sometimes for that month, but usually for a week. Um, and then afterwards, they come to the cluster in the market with a presentation, kind of, yeah. um, where they say, this is what... I think needs to be fixed in this building. This is what I'm seeing that's going really well. Um, and and this is what I would do if I was the administrator mm-hmm. you know, tomorrow. Some of those things. But the power comes from them giving that presentation, not having to be perfect or right. And, and let me share this example. I Sometimes had, the feedback is pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Day, yeah. so, so we had, uh, I had a, a CIT who did this. And when they were giving their analysis, you could just see all the partners around the table be like, oh my gosh. I mean, he completely missed the <laughs> They're boat. starting to sweat. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't remember what types uh-huh. of things he was presenting, but I just remember it right. was not the big things. Yeah. And, um, you know, this was four months in or five months in. He uh-huh. wasn't done yet. Uh-huh. He wasn't going to go get a building in a week, but he was getting uh, further along yeah. in the process. And I remember my DON partner actually at the time gave some really hard feedback mm-hmm. to this CIT. And we had to look in the mirror because we had failed as well mm-hmm. in preparing him. But um, he just said, you know, you're, you're missing it. And and he gave some really Your good- Your DON said to the- My DON said, it. you're missing it, right? Yeah. The, everyone else can see that th- this building has these big problems and mm-hmm. you didn't talk about any of those. Now, you're, whether you're it was- rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. That's right, yeah. that's right. So, you know, some of that's nervousness, some of that's whatever it might be, but it's an opportunity for this CIT to get some pretty 
frank and real feedback and and sometimes it's really good feedback yeah. that's re- encouraging but it might um change the direction of the cit program we need to focus more on yeah. xyz let's because do it now you don't understand before. it let's <laughs> let's get you prepared before you're really License in the fire the that's the purpose of the right. d-day i think it's super important I, I appreciate you coming in and talking about this, Tracy. I, I've, I've felt like I've wanted to do this podcast for a long time, and I know it's more for a, limit, a limited audience. It really should be for anybody who's an ED or, frankly, if you're a DON and as, as we're trying to train DITs or, sure. or CTOs you know, in, on the therapy team. We've, we've got to get better at training each other. Again, Mark Parkinson, we don't have a knowledge problem. We have a leadership problem. And, and we need to get, we say all the time, we're a leadership development company that happens to be in healthcare. So let's get better at it. Yeah, let's show it yeah. by the way that we, we do these things. And I would just add, you know, we work, we are affiliated yeah. with what I consider one of the best organizations in the world. I really feel that. And it's, it's a sacred responsibility to develop leaders, to help others succeed, Su- succession planning, whatever you call it. So I don't think this is just for administrators. I agree with you. I think yeah. this is for anyone that's wanting to help the growth and development of someone else. And and these are principles, and, and certainly preceptors should live by these. They have to. If we're going to dignify long-term care in the eyes of the world, then we have to multiply ourselves because we can't do it with just us. Yeah. So thanks for helping us get there. Thanks, thanks for being. Thanks for letting me be on. Thanks.